Hey everybody, welcome back to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 51, Food Habits. Hi, it's been a while. It's been two episodes. That's not that long. I guess feels it feels like it's been a long time. In the cadence of this podcast, that's like a month, isn't it? It is a whole month, yeah. Do you think we'll ever do uh, weekly shows? Not while I'm working like 20 jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm in the middle of writing this book. Uh, I think I've men- mentioned a secret project on the show a couple of times, and that's really kind of crowded out my schedule a little bit. I'm hoping... That when that book is done, we switch to weekly. But no promises. I feel like I might be the bottleneck here. I feel you might be the bottleneck. (laughs) And so I might need to do... Nobody likes a solo podcast. I'm eh? going on the economics job market next year. There is no weekly podcast happening next year. (laughs) Well, if anybody listening needs to hire an economist, uh, email the show, ardenatalifeofproductivity.com. That'll take that (laughs) off her plate. So she has more time for producing and and editing and researching and brainstorming episodes of Becoming Better, like this one. There you go. But speaking of crowding out, we've been focusing quite a bit in the various episodes of this podcast of ours, Becoming Better, on food and eating better. We've even had a couple of guests on the show. Uh, Michael Greger, the author of... How Not to Die and How Not to Diet. He was on episode number 19. And another Michael, Michael Moss, was uh, our previous guest, the Pulitzer Prize winning author of Salt, Sugar, Fat, and Hooked, both uh, incredible books. Both uh, great guests. Both, yeah, good guests, good gets. But that, that got us thinking about food because we've been thinking a lot about food during uh, the, during quarantine, during spending all our time locked down in this stay-at-home just, order together. Just daydreaming about food. Just daydreaming <laughs> about food, eating food. Uh, and when, yeah, when not eating food, just really thinking about it constantly. I don't know about you. I mean, probably not in the same way you do, because mm. I think you enjoy eating a lot more than I do. Well, it's my core competency. I know. Yeah, it's I, what I, I definitely do know. That's why I'm so good at cooking now. Um, you know it would be a good job? <laughs> what? To get paid to eat. Like a taste tester? Or no. a Michelin star te- like food reviewer? No, because you have to like write about it then. And you have to rate it. You are a writer. I, I know, but I don't want to have to write about food. I just want to eat and get paid to eat. So like the people who Heinz test? Yeah, not even that though. Like I don't want to eat ketchup. I want to eat whatever I want and get paid for it. I don't think that's a job. Maybe some rich rich listener of Becoming Better <laughs> can You're going to go on the, the food benefactor. eater's job market next year yeah. while I'm on the economics job market yeah, next year. Exactly. All right, good luck with that. But speaking of crowding out our schedules, th- that's something that, uh, you know, when we've been kind of experimenting with dozens of these habits with regard to food, we'll talk about the ones that, the ones that stick on this episode. We've realized that most of the habits that we've tried out fall into two categories. Yeah, and this won't come to a surprise to anybody who's listened to the podcast before, but really the two categories are things you want to do more of and things you want to do less of. Wow, it's really simple. Innovative. Oh yeah, so innovative. (laughs) I'm going to doing a PhD for that. Wow. But one of these I think the innovative thing here is doubling down on things you want to do 
more of. And this is the whole kind of diet mentality that so many of us have. Calorie restrictions, uh, counting your calories, putting yourself on a calorie budget, calories. Uh. But when you approach food, and this is something that I've found as somebody who obsesses over food, food might be my greatest weakness in addition to my core competency. <laughs> you know, if I look at my unproductive days, it's often days where I order Indian food for lunch or, or overdo it in some way or another. Uh, but when you look at diet, not diet, I, that, that word is so loaded with connotations, but when you just look at your diet, when you look at the food that you put into your body, it's worth approaching this whole thing of eating uh, from a perspective of abundance rather than restriction. Because you don't feel like you're cutting yourself off or depriving yourself from the things that you enjoy. Instead, you're introducing more things that you enjoy into your life instead. Yeah, exactly. It makes it a lot more palatable as well. Oh. It doesn't feel as, oh, yeah. Oh, there was no pun in there, I promise. But Oh, there, there was a pun in there. <laughs> it just makes things a little more a little more manageable in your in your mind, right? It's easier to think about things you can do and, and not feel restricted and want to do that kind of screw it thinking that we talked yeah. about in a previous episode where it's this all or nothing effect where if you deviate a little, then all of a sudden you've eaten an entire box of Oreos, right? Yeah. That's what you want to avoid. Especially, I think a lot of people struggle with eating too much rather than too little. I think obviously there are people out there who don't eat enough food, right? That is that is the case for some people, but yeah. we're probably that's probably the minority of people listening to this episode. So yeah. we're really focusing on the thinking about how to eat better, I guess. And with a topic like food, different people have a different relationship to food and some of those relationships are more complicated. And we can obviously only speak from our own experience and our own struggles. And so that's definitely what we intend to do with this episode. Uh, episode number 46, the one you mentioned, all or something thinking is actually a, a fine pairing to go with this one. Exactly. So what are some ideas of things that you might want to do less? Or what would be an example of something you'd want to do less? Well, luckily, we got the show notes in front of us here. How and, handy. And, and looking at the different sections, I, I think we're kind of living in accordance with the uh, with what we're preaching here. We're practicing what we're preaching. We have like two, a few bullet points under things that we, we've been doing less of or not at all. And far more instances of things we want to crowd those things out with. And so th this is something that I, I think is so key. Your list of things you want to do more of with food should be longer than the things you want to do less of. But that said, you know, if you are crowding out some bad habits, uh, there is uh, there are some that are worth identifying. So willpower is an interesting thing here because we shouldn't have to expend our willpower if we don't need to, because there are often some helpful strategies uh, for crowding out the bad habits that we have. Like what? Introducing obstacles is one thing that uh, I know you've uh, loved uh, us doing and that I found really effective too, because when you purposefully introduce an obstacle to your bad habits ahead of time, you don't really have to expend any willpower in order to not engage in that habit. So one one problem thing, more so for me than for you, I think I remember you ordering like one burrito in the last several months or so <laughs> by yourself, but I have no shame. I, I got no qualms about ordering a nice little feast for one. Um, 
It's always a sad thing. Here's a sad. People are going to think that I just eat nonstop. Uh, that that's sometimes true with the most delicious food. Like largely true. <laughs> but it's it's not as big of a problem as I'm making out. But sometimes when I get sushi for lunch, I like a nice sushi feast. Uh, they they put two or three pairs of chopsticks in the order. That's like... Oh, yeah, you're eating for two. <laughs> I, I feel like they're <laughs> eating for two indeed, um, the the two of me. So uh, introducing obstacles for habits like that, uh, we, we've started doing a thing for introducing an obstacle for takeout. And so we're luckily we live together. We often, usually I'd say, eat together. And so we have this rule where we have to give the other person 24 hours notice. This rule is mostly for me before we order something. This is also something we do together where if if an evening comes along where we're feeling kind of tired or not feeling motivated to cook, we because we have this rule that we need to give ourselves 24 hours notice, if that wasn't in the plan, we don't end up ordering food when we're just feeling kind of tired. And maybe our willpower is just not at its peak at that moment. So we are more inclined to order something that maybe we wouldn't prefer to or wouldn't like to in the long term. Well, willpower is such a fascinating uh, field of of study. But the best research that I found uh, suggests that we have kind of a limited reservoir of willpower that we draw on in order to make decisions, in order to regulate our attention, in order to prevent ourselves from doing things, to regulate, modulate our behavior in one way or another. And so a rule like this, because you don't have to fall back on just resisting tapping on Uber Eats on your phone, you have to actually agree, discuss, make that pre-decision so that it's not an impulsive one. Usually when you're the most tired, your willpower is the lowest. And so it works really, really well for that. But that said, you got to crowd that out with some other stuff. So you actually have food at home. Uh, one, one of the other things that we've been doing, one other kind of dependency we've introduced in how we eat, how we schedule our meals is having a weekly grocery delivery, which has kind of become our shopping list. And so we use Instacart. We get a order an order from Walmart every single week. And when we need something, we just add it to that order. And that makes sure that we, we don't go a few weeks without shopping. We're constantly, we have a reservoir of food to draw from as well as willpower. Yeah, because that definitely used to be a problem for us where we would, it wouldn't be obvious what food we could make out of what we had at home and we'd be tired. And then those two things combined would lead to us making choices that we just weren't happy with. Yeah. And so when we have this food grocery order that it's going to come every Thursday or Friday morning, I can't remember which, all the days of the week blend together in my head now. So it's just a day. A day of the week, we get a grocery order. Uh, In the morning, it comes and all of our food plans for that week are in that order. So we kind of have a meal plan going and it's exciting because we can think about which meals we actually want to eat and have those in our head. And I think we've been doing a lot more cooking together. So I know this is something I used to do when before COVID and when you were traveling a lot and I would have basically my own meal plan. Um, and so I had my own meal plan and this has kind of fallen apart since all these habits have shifted <laughs> now that we're in this new space, living together and working together more often. So it's been a nice change. Yeah. And I, so I know we have a couple of other examples. So this is a really good example of how to crowd out like something like eat, ordering takeout or the I, the conditions that lead to ordering takeout, mm. I guess. Um, but I think these are very much in line with other habits that are things you would want to do more of, right? To kind of crowd out those immediate decisions, like having a lot of vegetables in the fridge. This is pr- a very yes. common 
a very common hack or trick that people talk you about. You go on mind, body, green, 20 ways to lose weight. This is usually number four or five. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. going to be on those lists. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's on all the lists because it actually does work. Yeah. Right. Having good, healthy, easy options in the house uh, of things that you actually want to eat. Don't just put a whole bunch of broccoli if you hate broccoli. Like that's yeah. that's never going to work. If your goal or if your objective is to just eat a lot more healthy food, maybe it's having like readily available washed fruit on the counter. Oh. I mean, we have apples or pears or something in the in the house always available. Yeah. Or frozen berries. That's something we've been oh, getting into. Oh, we go into. through so many frozen berries. <laughs> the best. You they can... never go bad. And they're so cheap. Like yeah. so many people complain about how expensive produce is. But if you get frozen produce, yes. it's insanely cheap. You can get a whole big, huge bag of frozen broccoli for five Canadian dollars. And, and that's like three, what, four bucks US now yeah, or something? And it's yeah. like six heads of broccoli, which is, yeah. that would be much more expensive if you brought it fresh. So, I mean, having, and uh, frozen vegetables are a really good Frozen way to, berries too. Frozen oh, berries too. I'm, yeah. all, I'm all on the frozen berry train. Whenever you're looking for, because you can eat as many fruits and veggies as you want. You re- there's really no limit to how many veggies. I'm sure there's some limit somewhere, but it, the the way that I kind of budget for calories in my own weird mental accounting world that exists in my mind whenever I eat a meal, I, I don't really count vegetables because they have like no calories. It's all water and fiber, both two incredible things that Michael Greger talked about on episode 19. Exactly. But the whole point here is to focus on habits that you want to cultivate, right? Eat more vegetables, eat more fruit, drink more water. That's something I'm focusing on right now. And so I have water bottles just kind of all over the house to make sure I drink a lot of water and not just drink a lot of tea all day. It's a problem. It is a problem. We have a lot of water bottles everywhere now. There's uh, two on the desk and, well, this in front of me. I don't know how many you would have if this were your office. Exactly. But there are just, this is an example of a habit that you can try to add more of and those tend to crowd out bad habits. Just like exercising tends to crowd out other bad habits if it takes up more time, right? I mean, you just, you can't do everything in a day. So if you're spending more time doing habits that are healthy or helpful to your, your goals, it just crowds out the time that you could be spending on things that hinder those goals. Very similar with food, where if you're focusing on foods that you want to eat, like maybe it's cooking a really exciting meal on a Friday night, that'll just naturally crowd out takeout. Or if it's focusing on eating more berries or eating more vegetables, that will just naturally crowd out eating chips or whatever other things that you don't like having in your meal plan. One of the things that we're doing this year is there's a lot of farms around our town. And even though we live in Canada and so our summer season isn't as long as in other cities. It's uh, pretty long. I mean, our growing season goes until mid-November. But I mean, some places it's all year. I guess that's true. Yeah. It would be nice to live in Guatemala and get oh. like papaya and pineapple all year long. Oh, that's pretty great. The fruits and, and anything growing by by a farmer with like real plant, like not not like watered down, flavorless food that is is kind of uh, par for the course in a lot of produce aisles these days. But real real food. So we're subscribing this summer. This is our first year of doing it, and I'd really encourage people to look outside of their city limits for similar services. A, a veg a vegetable subscription box. I think it's about eight hundred dollars for June. June to October, which when you average it out every week and when you look at just the sheer amount of vegetables that they send to you is easily, 
easily worth it. You get to keep money in the community. You support local farmers. You get a whole whack of produce every week. Some of these orders are quite large, so it'll kind of push you to cook, become more creative, and just support people locally, especially right now, I think. So, so critical. Yeah, and I think I've seen these in other cities too. These are in yeah. pretty, We live in a small city and it's in our city. So I, if you look at other cities, I know Ottawa, Toronto, all the cities that are a little bit bigger near us, they all have them. And if you live in a city of any kind of reasonable size, I'm sure you'd be able to find something similar. And when we say kind of a, a, a food box, I think a lot of people would think of something like good oh, food. Oh, like HelloFresh or, or, Hello or something. Fresh. No, nothing like um, that. And this is very different where it's all fresh and it's enormous. I mean, these yes. boxes are usually insanely generous. I, I've seen in other, other people that I know in other cities who have these kinds of subscriptions, they're usually sent way more food than they know how to to, to deal with in a, in a week and they're giving it away. So, yeah. I mean, these are really, really generous and it's not like you get three tiny little cloves of garlic for a three mm-hmm. exact meals or something like that. And May- there's no plastic. Usually. Maybe with some bougie farms you do, but... Maybe, but usually it's, it's quite plentiful and so it's a really cost-effective and just a really great way to, to get local food and, and really healthy food. And food. Like exactly. real food. Some of the concoctions, and uh, I was chatting with Michael about this last episode, that are, are created in laboratories where a laboratory will isolate all of the different flavor molecules of vanilla, for an example, to, to come up with vanilla. But the, the examples abound, you know, that how, uh, how companies are able to reconstruct these complex flavors in a laboratory. And I was poking around for reviews of Michael's book, and it, it was featured in the New York Times book review. And there's a great comment, <laughs> and it's not it's not common that you come across a comment on the internet and want to repeat it on a podcast. But uh, this one from uh, the username Son of Liberty. What do you think of that username on New York Times comments? Sounds very patriotic and American. God bless Son of Liberty. Uh, but <laughs> Son of Liberty, th- they write, uh, a better way to understand processed foods is that they are not really foods at all. Food is a nutritious substance that people or animals eat or drink or that plants absorb in order to maintain life and growth. And processed food is none of this. Processed foods are substances that are sold by corporations to separate people from their money, and that's it. It got a little bit conspiratorial at the end, but I I think that whole mindset shift where processed food isn't food you know, real food grows in the ground. It, it, it's made on farms. Um, I, I think that's so key. Uh, you know, crowd out the bad habits with just good, real, unprocessed food. It's delicious, especially after your palate adjusts downward from eating so much salt and sugar and fat. Yeah, and I think we focused quite a lot on on what you're eating, but also how you're eating is important too. Maybe it's focusing on cooking more or cooking better. or And this is something you can do and then do it in bulk. You don't have to cook every single day of the week. I hate cooking regularly, but I love cooking. So I, <laughs> I figured out a way to cook like two or three times a week in on mass, and then we have leftovers for the entire week. And I love that process and it's become a habit, but it took a little time for me to figure out the habit that worked for me. And it was yeah. not cooking every day. Like that is not something I'm ever going to do. So figure out those kinds of habits around food too. That's yeah. I think an important part here. 
And just a reminder, you know, you don't have to listen to us. You, you have enough data at your disposal. Um, you know, we've, we all go through periods where we eat more healthfully than in others. And we have a lot of data at our disposal for what habits uh, existed in our lives, what routines we had. Maybe we had one meal prep day on Sunday. Maybe we had fresh veggies in the fridge. Maybe all the delivery apps were deleted off of our phone. You know, we have times when the the situation aligns to create healthy habits. And so we can look at our own data in our own past and come up with habits that we want to integrate and and use to crowd out the bad ones because of that. Beautiful. Yeah, one of my favorite ones, and this is kind of a way that I use confirmation bias in a way to affirm some of the new habits that I have. It's to read a lot of books related to the habits that I'm forming, even if the books are a bit redundant. If I'm, you know, maybe going on a productivity kick, for an example, I might read a bunch of productivity books. Maybe if I'm going on a healthy eating kick, I might, or an unprocessed food kick, I'll eat a lot of books that relate to real food, how it's grown, um, the processed food industry, how it takes advantage of our neurochemistry. It's a good way of turning that confirmation bias around where we want to consume information that supports our beliefs, but to support us in the healthy habits that we're making. And there's nothing like that initial motivation after you read a book like that, where you feel super motivated for like three weeks to make a change. And there are enough of these books that you can just keep riding that way. (laughs) There really are. (laughs) And once you run out of books, you can go to documentaries on on Netflix. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Forks Over Knives was what originally kicked me off into eating more plant-based. For some reason, the, the documentaries never do it for me. Hmm, interesting. But the books, like for some reason, the way Michael Moss approaches things, how he breaks down on a chemical level just how these foods are constructed. Um, there's another book that I'm reading now that I highly recommend for anybody who is on one of these kicks called The Dorito Effect, which is all about the flavor industry. Uh, incredible read that kind of dovetails off of what he writes about. Uh, both books kind of share some ideas. But if you're in a similar kick to what I am, especially after hearing the last episode with Michael, uh, do check those out. For sure. Cool. So crowd out all the bad habits, introduce some new good ones, uh, eat real food, and make sure to uh, approach food with this spirit of abundance, right? Uh, Not that you're depriving yourself, but that you have this opportunity uh, to eat better and take care of yourself. Your body needs it. You have to have a a happy relationship with food and an abundant relationship with food. And your body doesn't just need it. It'll reward you for eating this way. Oh, yeah. You'll look good. You'll you'll feel better. You'll look better. It, everything is better when you eat better. Can, so. can you tell just by looking at somebody if they eat well? I think this is something Michael Greger talks about. He definitely had a video about this, how it's visible when people are mm. taking care of their bodies, where their hair is better, their their, their pallor is better, their skin looks healthier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's something that's visible on the outside. I think that was something in a documentary I watched once where they were t- suggesting, like, why not lean into the vanity yeah. side of, of healthy <laughs> eating if that's what motivates people. But Yeah, yeah. and Michael Greger does have a, a wonderful glow to him. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He although, radiates. Although he has no hair. So that I don't know about totally the whole... unrelated to diet. That's <laughs> I, I like a hundred percent genetic. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll have to bug him about that next time he's on the podcast. <laughs> but but yeah, so finishing up. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Again, time passes. It's, it's 23 minutes in. Look at that. Having fun. 
All right, finishing up, leave a review of the show if you want and uh, email me a screenshot of it to chris at a life of productivity.com. We have these wonderful new postcards. I'll mail you one as soon as this stay at home order lifts in Ontario. Uh, but we hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.